So I showed it to the doctor, and well, she said it's smashing. Smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we wonder how one man could go from designing websites for local bands to heading up Google Fonts Knowledge. Vickley talks to Elliot J. Stocks to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. Performance game changer browser back forward cache. Barry Pollard looks at a change that shipped Chrome browsers at the end of 2021 that has the ability to make or break sites meeting the core web vitals. Learn a little bit more about the back forward cache, what impact it can have, and what you can do to make sure your site is compatible with it. Cosima Milka offers up an article bustling with magical SVG techniques. From generative SGV grids to SVG paths with masks, grainy gradients, cutout effects, and fractional SVG stars. Cosmo takes a look at some of the magical SVG techniques that you can start using in your projects right away. Yes! In a design case study, Denis Studenikov takes a look at how even small UX changes can result in an increase in conversion. Dennis takes a closer look at the design and discusses possible reasons why customers are abandoning their online shopping carts and what solutions are recommended in each particular case. In How to Use Google Crux to Analyze and Compare the Performance of JavaScript Frameworks, Dan Shapir notes that Google collects performance information from millions of opted-in Chrome browsers around the world and uses this information as a performance ranking factor in its search engine. But it also makes this information freely available so that anyone can use it to check the real-world performance of individual websites. In this article, Dan uses the information to analyze and compare the performance of leading JavaScript frameworks. Along the way, he uncovers unexpected behaviors and solves a web performance mystery. Oh, yeah! And Jerry McGovern brings us top tasks. To focus on what matters, you must defocus on what doesn't. We waste so much today, Jerry posits. One way of focusing on what truly matters is by identifying top tasks for yourself. In this article, learn how to make tough decisions by focusing on the real quantifiable evidence that will help create a better experience for your users. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He loves typography from the bottom of his heart and in recent years he's led creative direction for several products and services, including the print magazines Eight Faces and Lagom. He worked as a creative director of Adobe Typekit, now called Adobe Fonts, and these days he's running things at Google Fonts Knowledge. Now, outside of the realm of design, he also does electronic music as other form and has also released music on several independent labels. All right, well, we know that he's an expert in typography and electronic music, but did you know that he's an avid fan of underground Icelandic techno music from the late 90s and usually dreams about pixels, font sizes, and RAM units. My smashing friends, please welcome Elliot J. Stocks. Elliot, hello, and how are you doing today? I am smashing, thank you. 
Oh, well, you look smashing as well, if oh, I may. So you haven't very, changed the bit. That's very kind of you to say. You know, I was going <laughs> to already say that I feel smashing even before I was directed to do so. Well, I never directed <laughs> you to do that at all. So don't you reveal the secrets that we have here. Well, uh, so... You know, Elliot, when we actually look back now, it's it's kind of really, I mean, I, I don't know, we met, oh, we met, we saw each other when, like, last time. Was it, like, 15 years ago? I was going to say, that's crazy, no way, but actually, I mean, maybe, yeah. 15, no, not 15. Oh, well, when we saw each other, oh, sorry, I think you remember when we, yes. when we first met, uh, yeah. when we first met, maybe it was 15 years ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and when did we see each other last time? Oh, wow, it's been a long time since... Uh, I've seen anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you do see a lot of electronic music, though. Yeah, so that counts true. for something. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh well. boy, I think it was in—I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Snook was there. Where right. were we? It was you, me, and Jonathan Snook. I don't know. Was it? Yeah. Dusseldorf, it was, maybe? maybe it was probably a room with people and the stage and you probably were speaking right that's Maybe. probably but but you know before we actually dive into the specifics i'm i know that many of uh, our listeners will well you know will have heard about your work and your blog posts and also your music and all the wonderful things that you're doing but i'm always interested in people like really coming back to the roots there must be something that started all of this right and so i really want to hear a little bit about your backstory so how does a boy with curly hair, born in the suburbs of London, <laughs> uh, gets his life through kind of thoroughly defined by web topography and design and electronic music. How does that happen? Tell us. Well, um, <laughs> thank you for the question. Um, I think a, a, a lot of um, a lot of it is all just accidents, happy accidents, and just trying stuff out and seeing where that goes, and not being too worried about. Uh, the the future plans i suppose i suppose i think that's kind of like probably the thing that's defined my um career path as it were so when i was a kid i did a lot of drawing uh, my i remember like my dad teaching me things about like perspective and stuff when i was young and i used to do things like um a lot of illustrations for the school for their like they'd have like a play on and i'd do like the little pamphlet illustration for the program of the play and and all sorts of things like that so I was always kind of doing drawing for fun and then asked by people to do with the school to do like other um, stuff around that it was always kind of art based and it wasn't I didn't really dabble with design properly until I suppose uh, I graduated from high school and before I went to uni I took a year out and I worked in a music shop in Virgin Megastores when they still existed. And I was doing a little bit of music at the time with some other people who worked there. And we released a CD um, of, which sounds very quaint now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit. But how old were you then? Uh, well, so I would have been 18, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So that's and what we, cool people do then in nowadays. Yeah. They just release CDs. <laughs> <laughs> that's right well maybe but and we did <laughs> and the managers of the store allowed us to put uh the cd on sale in the store and so it fell to me to like design the cover and i'd started dabbling with like i don't know what it was it was like some sort of version of photoshop like a free version of photoshop or something like that and i was doing kind of 
you know, stuff with terrible Photoshop filters and things like that. And ah, uh, so that's where it all started. I can see yeah, that now. Yeah, it was all it was all this kind of thing. And I did the the POS, the POS and um, the website for it. And it was the first website I'd kind of done. And well, yeah, it was my first experience. And the web was relatively new at this time. And I used a, an editor called Homestead, which was like a sort of WYSIWYG editor. And that whole thing was just kind of my first experience of of design i suppose uh web design and and print design and that kind of i guess ignited that that interest in that and then for for a few years at university i did um a lot of stuff on the side for kind of music for 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 bands websites and stuff like that and then when i graduated from university uh i got a job working for the record label emi uh, working on a bunch of music sites. So um, that was kind of how that all came about, really. I was working a lot of web stuff. It was all very music-related. And, yeah, it sort of just happened, I guess, a little bit by accident. And gradually over the years, I kind of... I don't think I'm a web designer anymore. I, I, I kind of realised recently that that was in the past that I've sort of gone on to do other other things. Um and yeah, but everything kind of came from there. And there's been like a really strong, I suppose, sort of musical current throughout the whole thing and lots of side projects. And this is also what I'm going to be talking about at uh, Smashing Conf as well, in fact. <laughs> this 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 whole thing and how it's all interrelated um, and how a lot of side projects have led to, as I said, these kind of happy accidents, doing doing stuff that's really fun just by sort of trying it out and and. Um, yeah, not having too much of a plan. Uh, now, it's interesting because every time I think about my childhood and how things used to be when I was growing up, I always think about these important people who kind of defined my career, my view on things. And I don't know, but I always, I mean, especially over the last couple of kind of weeks now, I've been for some reason thinking about, you know, the blog post by Mark Bolton and the one that you were writing. And this was the very exciting time for me. I mean, you have no idea just how... I just really felt that this is it. This is really changing my life. I kind of had this feeling in my head when I was uh, kind of working through this and in my heart as well. So maybe just just kind of throwing this question at you, maybe you could talk about people who really defined your way of thinking about design. Like what really made a most significant impact? Was it maybe a talk somewhere? Maybe it's an article that you read, a book. Uh, I don't know, just a random coincidence where you just met somebody and they said something um what was that that really kind of defines your work in many ways yeah i oh well i remember those years as well that was that felt really fun and everything on the web was new and we were sort of just figuring it out and it was kind of the you know the wild west of the of the web design days i I loved i loved it um but yeah i guess from my own perspective uh i've definitely been in the in the early days, I was really influenced by a lot of those people doing some really cutting edge flash websites. So this is probably around two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, I guess. Too advanced, uh, PlayStation, uh, Tokyo Plastic, My Pet Skeleton. Oh, those were the times. Yeah, the real heady days of, of flash based web design, and they were they were very influential on me. Not just for the web, but just they just yeah, like like you said, you something you felt in your heart as just this exciting wow, this is this just amazing stuff going on. It's not just the web 
um, but about design in general and creativity in general. And that really, really was just a, a very exciting time. And that kind of influenced me a lot in those early years. I think that whole kind of grungy style and that very kind of David Carson influence thing. I don't think I realized until later that it was uh, a lot of David Carson influence on, on that lot. You know, people like um, Juxt Interactive, uh, who I loved at the time and kind of mm-hmm. looking back mm-hmm. now, you know, it's, it's a very David Carson kind of thing. Um, but that, that was very influential on me. And then I got into, when I was working in the music industry and I was working at EMI, we started to move away from Flash and Web Standards was becoming a thing. And obviously like Zeldman's writing and Eric Meyer and Dave Shea was doing the CSSN garden. And then that again was like this really exciting, like, oh, wow, what is this whole new way of um, exploring the web and, and building on the web and designing on the web and working within these new constraints. And And I think aesthetically, I went away from that kind of outlandish, grungy stuff well, I mean, eventually I did to, to more kind of like clean and 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 eventually, you know, a focus on on typography and things like that. And I think it was probably, I mean, Eric Spiekman obviously is like a you know a hugely influential person anyway, uh, and his kind of, I think, sort of knowing Eric and getting to know him through projects like Eight Faces and things like that, his influence on the real. Uh, minutiae of typographic design, the real specific geeky details that kind of led me down that path into less focused on, I guess, some of the, 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 the big, you know, how do you design something from scratch, but more into like, how do we really tweak and refine this very small part of a design to be the best it can possibly be. And I think almost like Eric is kind of at, you know, the opposite end to like the David Carson <laughs> side of design. Um, and I, but I think in, in sort of recent years, I've gone a bit more in that direction. And, and, and my, you know, as you get older, I think your interests change. And for a long time, I was very, I don't know, I guess really distrustful of people who were kind of involved in design, but didn't want to do the whole thing. And I was really distrustful of people who were kind of like directors, but they weren't necessarily at the coalface doing the design work. Whereas now I've sort of come around to being okay with just focusing on one part of it and um, yeah, letting, letting other people kind of get concerned with design systems and developing things. And I don't know, web design is is such a different beast these days anyway, I think. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Is it just me, Elliot? But I feel like every time uh, somebody brings up a notion of web design, is is it like a term from 2000 somehow, (laughs) 2010 or something? Web design, like we're just UX designers. We are UX engineers. We are, I don't know, there are so many old kind of different roles. What role do you see yourself now? Are you who are you today? Like if you had to define your role, like the something that really, I don't know, a term that really defines and captures your essence. What would that be? I don't know if it's a good answer, question to answer. That is that's a great, yeah, it's a great question. And uh, one I'm constantly asking myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I At the moment, I am sort of describing, well, I'm not really sort of actively describing myself, but I suppose the work that I've done recently and I'm doing at the moment is more of, I guess I'm sort of a, oh boy, I don't know. I guess it's like a typographic consultant, I suppose, in that I'm doing a lot of work that is very, 
I mean, all design is, you know, is and should be typography focused in many ways, but it is very focused on typography um, with, I'm not, I mean, I'm doing very little in, in terms of like hands-on design these days, but it's more kind of helping steer something from a typographic perspective and advising people on that. And the work that I've been doing with Google is, is all about sort of education around typography in general. Um, but pr- prior to this, I was doing a lot of creative director roles. So I was sort of stopped being a designer in the more traditional sense and was more just a creative director sort of from my time when I was at Typekit. And then the roles that I then had after that, they were all kind of creative director roles. Um, but mm-hmm. and again, fairly recently, when the pandemic kind of hit and I um, lost the job that I was currently working in at the time as creative director for an agency in London called Mido, um, we, yeah, everyone kind of that, that sort of had to disband. And I found myself doing some sort of going back to, well, you know, 2020 was a really weird year and everyone had to kind of go and do these different, sort of take on different kind of work to kind of make ends meet and everything. And then after that, I think I realised that I didn't really want to go back into that design leadership thing for a while. I think I'd got a little bit jaded by just sort of, yeah, I guess it's not that I wanted to be at the coalface designing everything and building everything again, but I also wanted to do something that was a little bit more, I guess, kind of insular and kind of self-contained and not involving big teams and, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of led me even further away from, from web design in a way, um, which has been nice. It's been for a while, I was having this real existential crisis of trying to answer that question of what, who am I? What am I doing? <laughs> Uh, and I think but I think we have a pretty good understanding now, do we? Yeah, I think I think now I'm comfortable with where I am at. For now, ask me tomorrow; I'll right. change my mind. <laughs> okay, I will definitely ask tomorrow as well. But now, actually, uh, you know, and it's interesting uh, looking back because you had all the different roles and you work with all the different people. And you know, we just briefly talked about uh, some influential pe- people and who changed um, your view on things. And in my life, it was you. You don't even remember. <laughs> I'm sure. I think you don't even remember. That's very kind. But of I remember you. us. Yeah, you, I will explain in a moment why. Because when uh, we were working on some project, who knows what project that was over the last, I don't know, 11, 12 years mm-hmm. now, uh, 15 maybe, I remember you saying one thing. I think it was a navigation design that we changed in meshing in 2013, 14, something. Oh, yeah. And you said, well, if something is different, you need to make it look very different. It can't be... It can't be just close enough or a little bit different. It has to be bold and decisive and different enough so people can notice that this is a decision and not a mistake, right? And I remember this vividly. I mean, this has stuck with me for quite some time. And actually, many things that you're mentioning about uh, paying attention to details and being very careful and all those things, they kind of define my kind of way of working as well but uh, I don't I didn't spend a lot of time working with different agents in all the different roles basically like after the last for the last what uh, 12 years I've been in the same more or less the same position but looking at you now because you've been working with all the different teams and all the different people uh, you know is there something that you would recommend to yourself 
when you're working with them. Maybe do some a little bit more of that. Do a little bit less of this in your career as you kind of keep evolving, keep growing. Is there something that you wish you would have done differently? Mm, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That's 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 really that's really awesome to to know that that was influential and helpful. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't quite remember that, but but that is awesome. And that must have been when we were doing yeah the smashing redesign. Which was yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, a while ago now, like six, um, seven, eight years ago now. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, in terms of like the sort of career advice, you know, things I wish I'd known when I was younger, stuff like that. I think learning to trust your gut is super important. And there were definitely times when I look back on projects that I said yes to that maybe I'd already got that gut feeling that they might not be great. Um, and perhaps I shouldn't have taken them on and I did anyway. And I think listening to your gut, if you've got a feeling that says I shouldn't be doing this for whatever reason, then there's probably a valid reason, uh, for, for, for why you're feeling that way. Um, I've got a print that Eric did that I bought from his, um, his print, uh, shop P98A and it says, um, don't work with assholes, don't work for assholes, or maybe the other way around, but the, the the meaning is the same. And that, again, is like, I think sometimes you can tell quite early on how someone is going to be, and it's useful to not uh, persevere with projects that are perhaps run uh, by or with assholes. <laughs> so I wish that I had had that framed on my wall earlier on in my career, Um it's on my wall now, but it, it perhaps should have been, um, yeah, a mantra that was adopted sooner. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm very grateful for is that I've been in a position where I've been able to pursue things that I really care about. Um, and although passion is this thing that's kind of, you know, this term that everyone says, you know, it's banded about the whole time. I think it's really important, and I've always thought it's important to to really care about what you're doing. And and the reality is is that we are at work for um, most of the day, most of the hours that we are awake in the day, and so we should be spending those hours doing something we love. Now that's all well and good, you know. That's not necessarily helpful advice to give to somebody who may be stuck in a job that they absolutely uh, need to stay in to to, to pay the bills. But I think it's not necessarily about just going, right, I'm going to quit my job and go and pursue my, my, my dreams. It's about sort of finding meaning in, in what you're doing. And if there isn't a direct way to do that in your day job, then I think side projects are, have always been a great outlet for that. And for me personally, being able to, uh, I guess, seek creative fulfillment through side projects has led me to pursue those passions almost, as I said before, by, by accident, it's, it's the side projects and just sort of going for them and not worrying too much about the consequences that have later on led to, um, the really good work. So even if you can't leave, leave your current job now that you might hate because you, you know, you want to pursue your passions, I think finding a way to work your passions into it somehow or to express yourself through a side project will help you 
um, eventually um, get involved with projects that you do really care about. And and I've certainly been fortunate enough uh, that that's that's been the case. And and some of the the jobs I've had have been direct results of the work that I've done as side projects. And then those jobs in themselves have led to, to further things. And there's always been the kind of that, that snowball effect. Um, and so, yeah, that's, right. that's, I mean, it's, it's hard to, I think when you're younger and you're starting out, it's hard to necessarily, there's on the one hand that you can be sort of like full of this youthful uh, naivety and kind of go, yeah, let's, let's go for it and do whatever. But th- that can also lead to some not great situations. Um, but definitely looking back, being, you know, slightly older and having done this for a while now, I can definitely say that the times where things really worked or where I was really happy were because I sort of just followed what I was interested in rather than what was the kind of sensible perceived uh, route that that I should should take. Let's chat about the next move for your business. Professionals around the globe are utilising Wix's complete digital ecosystem to create, manage and grow their clients' businesses online. Wix's infrastructure is trusted for performance, reliability and security, plus limitless creation capabilities and robust business solutions. Meet any client's needs with complete coding and design freedom and build responsive sites with industry-specific solutions like bookings, reservations and payments. Every website is backed by enterprise-level security and includes a complete toolset of powerful SEO features so you can deliver complex, high-performing digital experiences of any size. Plus, with tools for your own business, you can manage everything. Client and team collaboration, customer management, client billing, analytics, all from one dashboard. And when it comes to reaching your goals, a success manager is committed to your success, making sure you have the resources you need. So, see why web professionals around the world are choosing Wix. Head over to wix.com partners. That's wix.com slash partners. And we thank Wix for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I think it's, for me personally, it's really a matter of being strategic. And there are so many things I wish I had known earlier and not necessarily related to design or UX or web or typography or anything. But it's just, sometimes you might even think about just very routine, basic life stuff, right? Mm. I mean... You know me, but I've been exploring the world of cutting cucumbers and watermelons for I don't know how many how many months and years now, and I still haven't found the right way. And I'm always disappointed with my outcome. The same goes for coffee and for so many other things, which could be just small things that would be really, really enjoyable, right? And so, uh, for example, one thing that I really wish uh, I could... I would know a bit more about is just how to do basic simple accounting, how to estimate better, how to uh, you know deliver on time, how to get a bit more disciplined and things. These are all the things that I had to learn over time, right? Yeah. But oh my, I've been overestimating, underestimating, going mm-hmm. wild, and just literally guessworking all the way. Do you have sort of a structure system? How do you work? Do you have like, are you one of those people who are very like um, Pomodoro and 45 minutes and then this, uh, the alarm goes on and off I go making a break or what, how do you work? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people. I, 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 I really struggle to be honest. I have... Oh, by the way, not to say that we have anything against these people. Right? <laughs> they're very kind, they're very productive. I uh, don't mean to be this uh, kind of, uh, you know, disapproving in any way. Um, just 
you know, uh, looking about different ways of how we all work today. Right? Yeah, I have, um, I would, so, so somewhat, um, I guess it, it's a little bit of a contradiction, but I, I try and set up a relatively focused schedule because I'm very easily distracted. So someone might look at my calendar or my approach to productivity and perhaps think that I'm quite well organized. And I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> this is why I'm using these things to try and, to try and focus myself. So uh, a few years ago, Jessica Hish uh, posted a thing about her, her calendar that she'd blocked out parts of the day to kind of be productive. And it was really interesting. And I, I think I wrote a, a blog post where I sort of had my own take on it, although I've since kind of changed that. Um, but the still the idea is basically blocking out um, time on your calendar to say this is, you know, this is productivity time, this is this is client work time, this is freelance project time, or this is family time, whatever. Um, that that sort of helps. That part of that structure has been forced on me in a good way by having a family. So I have two young kids now and I always stop at five o'clock to go and have dinner with them. Um, and I usually pick up some work stuff later on in the evening, even if it's just kind of messages and stuff like that. But I have a pretty rigid like stop time, uh, which is which is really nice because it means that I get some time with my family and it also just forces a bit of a structure on my day. Plus I have things like, you know, school pickups and uh you know clubs that the kids do and these other and lunch and very specific things that aren't that movable these days uh which is good which is really good but i've also recently i think to try and combat the fact that i'm quite easily distracted and just you know go down different rabbit holes um i've started moving to a paper-based to-do list so i still use things which i love as an app for that um, and I use Notion for all kinds of general to-dos. But for my, but every single day, I write down on a little card all of my um, all of my tasks. So I was influenced by um, by uh, Jeff Sheldon and his um, his uh, his projects. I think it's called Analog, where he did a nice Kickstarter with these beautifully designed little cards, and he had a little system going for the priorities in his card and a nice little case for it and all this kind of thing i wanted to sort of take that but make a much more lo-fi version so i made this system uh called today and soon um although i've since kind of changed it to just be focused on today's which is basically i made a little template a moo card template that you can just download for free and get it printed um and it's a series of tick boxes and it's there's something about writing it down. I, you know, I've got my... Well, you can't see this because well, I can show you, but the you won't be able to hear this. <laughs> and this is, um, right. uh, you know, written down. And it's some basic stuff that I want to do every day. You know, I want to do Duolingo every day. Um, and I've got to call this person today and I've got to uh, finish this particular bit of work and all this kind of stuff. But just having it written down and like literally sat there next to my iMac, like, you know, balancing against my monitor there and I get to do a big check mark with a big Sharpie every time I finish something big or small has really helped recently, uh, really helped with just keeping me focused. And I have stuff on there that's like, you know, a big work task or it's, you know, buy new flea medication for the dog <laughs> or something. But the the sense of... Um, 
being productive by checking those things off the list is is really nice. And so that coupled with a fairly rigid calendar and time kind of blocked off has really helped my productivity. And I think that's kind of, I suppose that's sort of, yeah, that's kind of how I work, but it's still my work day to day is a lot of like flitting between different things. It's like some time in Figma working on some illustrations for, for for Google fonts knowledge. And it's, it's time in Google docs uh, writing or editing and it's time in notion doing some planning and it's time on social media stuff, doing bits for my music project. And it's, you know, um, a little bit and time in chat talking to to colleagues and planning stuff and meetings and and whatnot and it's yeah it's quite varied and i i think that variation can easily lead to distraction um but also i do quite like having things varied i've realized over time that i'm not very good at just staying and doing one thing i can't sort of sit down there at nine o'clock and design all day and then finish at five like that's never really been me and i've certainly failed when i've tried to do that yeah. So I think it's interesting because for me, sometimes I feel like we are maybe twins from different universes or something like that. I, I don't even know. Because I mean, uh, I have moved my calendar quite a bit. And I th- actually, I think my partner in um, late uh, December, you know, just the planning ahead for the next year, we were sitting down, we we're just really thinking about what was the year like and what's the next year it's going to be like. And of course, it's a very common thing. And some people would say, well, yeah, well, everybody's doing that or whatever. But it was really critical because I really had to kind of question everything. That's really been on my agenda for the last couple of months now. I just, it's impossible for me to read a book. I'm questioning every single sentence in the book. Now, <laughs> this is really, really hard. Uh, and it really changed because then I totally revamped my calendar. And so I block out Fridays altogether and there are dedicated times for meetings and that's it. And this kind nice. of structure thing again is probably something that gives you sort of a, I don't know, comfortable framework to work within. Yeah. Right. So you just know that, okay, you're going to do this and you have limitations in terms of the amount of time you will spend on this because this is going to be a cutoff at five o'clock or six o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I can uh, totally see how, kind of how, how it all comes together, how it's all working for you as well. Um, are there any things that you just let go? This was actually quite important for me as well because I've been uh, working with a couple of projects and we had to think about not a design strategy, but the deleting strategy or archiving strategy oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, for very old and outdated content. So what are, what are, what are some, some things that you just recently let go or just stop doing uh, and that helped you as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question um, because I think it is so important to say no. And I remember doing talks um, a few years ago when I was kind of talking about freelance life and stuff like that and uh, talking a lot about you know being confident in saying no to clients and and turning away work that you didn't agree with and stuff like that. Um, in terms recently, I guess it's been sort of juggling stuff. I've for a long time had the opportunity to do maybe like a little bit of freelance work on the side and stuff like that. And I've recently, you know, with with Google Fonts Knowledge and stuff, just settled into doing kind of one fixed kind of solid thing all, all day, um, you know, just working on, on Google Fonts Knowledge pretty much. And that's been really nice to do. That said, I mean, I still, 
um, have my music project and a lot of admin around running the label and stuff like that. So that still happens in the evenings and, and things like that. And as I said, there's bits of like social media posts and stuff like that. So there's, <laughs> my mind is still bouncing around these different things. Um, but I've definitely turned down a lot of um, freelance projects that have come my way just because it's, I know that it'd be so easy to fill the hours doing that stuff. And I'm personally not very good at sitting there and just relaxing. Like I have this um, often detrimental need to be like creating or making something. And I don't really, I'm not great at like playing video games and stuff because I feel like, oh, I should be, you know, making some music or or taking a thing on or doing more work or whatever. Um, like I said, having having kids has definitely helped in the you know my time with them is my time with them and that's really nice because nothing really eats into that um apart from you know the very occasional meeting or something like that but on on the whole it's it's dedicated um but yeah i think it's yeah i I, there's nothing recently apart from just saying no to some some other freelance projects coming in but i i do yeah i i I should I should do more like sitting down and relaxing and just being okay with not doing much. <laughs> I think everybody is saying that and then nobody really does. I think I've, personally I find it so difficult to just sit and do nothing. Mm. It's just so I mean, maybe I'm just impatient and I always have these questions raising up, like question marks coming up in my head. It's uh, sometimes it's just difficult to fall asleep because I think, ah, oh, I have this idea for that thing and I should be following mm-hmm. this and I should be writing it down and I should not be writing this down, but maybe I want to write it down. Kind of this <laughs> ongoing story, yep, yep. right? Um, but I mean, you are, the, you know, you're adventurous, you're just exploring and it's just, I know that we'll be kind of wrapping up shortly, but I do want to just find out how do you end up becoming or getting or kind of embarking on this journey through music on a new level? Because I know that for a while, you have not been on that journey. You've been doing a lot of design. And maybe I'm wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But it's only recently that we had this conversation of you potentially even DJing at Smashing Conferences as well. And that's something I wouldn't imagine, like I say, 10 years ago when I saw you speaking on stage. So you really fell deeply in love with electronic music again and now having your own label and all. And can you tell us just briefly that story? It's like why yeah, or sure. how and you know, just, just how it happened and also where it goes. Yeah, sure. I mean, so I have actually been doing music for, for many, many years, like in a, a very non-serious way. So I sort of started releasing some of my own music when I was in that, in that year off that I mentioned uh, before university. So I was like 18 and, and I released self, self-released a couple of, um, a couple of EPs after that, but I was never really serious about it. And it wasn't until I think it was like 2015, something like that, 2014, 2015, where I, there were, there were a couple of catalysts. One is that I'd kind of always liked some electronic music, but I was, I was more into kind of rock and metal and stuff like that. And it wasn't until then that I discovered some techno that for me I thought, wow, this is really interesting music. This is people doing something that I haven't really heard. And although it was kind of, you know, dance music, um, you know, it's not just about dancing, you know, it's just, 
you know, it's 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 there's there's way way more to it than that. And it was really interesting to me. I've, I've there are a few different artists doing some cool stuff around this time. Uh, Monic and Shifted and Kilowatt and Manny D and 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 some people that I just come across, and I found their music genuinely really interesting as a listener. But it spurred me on to kind of say, oh, maybe I could do some stuff like this. And then exactly the same time, I bought some hardware synths from, um, you can see them in the background there, these Volkers from from Korg. And they're really cheap. They're analog synths, but they're really, really cheap, really dirty. And they're just really fun to play with. And as soon as I was playing with them and, you know, like tweaking turning knobs and moving sliders and just playing with the hardware and all those kind of happy accidents again that come with playing around with stuff like that. And coupled with the influence of these new artists, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. Maybe I could make this kind of thing. And and it just sort of, I suppose, maybe start taking it a little bit more seriously. And, and there was there was one other catalyst. So in 2015, uh, we had our first daughter, um, and sort of from then, my time to be productive musically, but in general, has definitely been very limited. And ironically, <laughs> that's the time when I spent the the most kind of going, right, I have to do this thing. I have to be serious about music now. When I, And I think, but I really do think that having that limited time to to do this in, whereas before, well, you know, the world is your oyster, you know, to can spend all the time in the world having a tiny window in which to be productive has actually helped me focus. Um, again, that was sort of happened to me rather than anything that, um, you know, I didn't kind of like plan for that level of productivity, uh, but that really did help. And so if I released my first EP as other form in 2017 and since, and, and then even then I, I did it and then I kind of went quiet for a bit. Um, but around 2019, um, things started to pick up again, started to be making a lot more music, put something else on a different label. Um, and then I played a gig in Berlin at the end of 2019 and was like, hey, this is the start of playing live in like, you know, some clubs around the world and stuff. And then, of course, you know, we all know how how 2020 went. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but during that time, during the pandemic and everything, I really kind of doubled down on getting music out and growing the label and releasing other people's music, you know, not just just my own stuff. And and it's been, yeah, just a whole other adventure, as you as you say, just kind of working out that side of things. And yeah, I love it. It's very different to design. I don't think there are many parallels, really. Um, there are certain like organizational things that have helped. I mean, I kind of run my design life and my music life on Notion, <laughs> for instance. <laughs> but in terms of like, their creativity and and the kind of label admin stuff i think it's very different to my kind of day jobby stuff um and yeah and 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 but and also takes up quite a lot of time but you know it's it's all fun as soon as it stops being fun i'm going to yeah. stop doing it yeah well i think that it's uh, it's incredible to see this energy in your eyes when i can i see it now thank you um, <laughs> and it's wonderful to see you really kind of shining through and maybe who knows maybe in a couple of months or so we'll see you all over the world and i know that you will be in some parts of the world that will be san francisco that's right uh, for the smashing conference so that might be the time when we should be expecting a live performance <laughs> as what is the snippet of it right maybe maybe well uh, maybe we'll see about that well <laughs> 
if you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Elliot, you can find him on Twitter, where he is, well, what a big surprise, Elliot at Elliot J. Stocks, and also on his website, which is also a big surprise, ElliotJStocks.com. So you can always follow along and see what Elliot uh, has to say and also what he's working on. Well, thank you so much today for joining us, Elliot. Do you have any parting words of wisdom with the wonderful people listening to us today? <laughs> no, I, I don't have any parting words of wisdom. Uh, <laughs> I would, <laughs> yeah, I hope you didn't come here expecting wisdom. <laughs> well, that counts for something, right? Well, thank you so much, Elliot, thank and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in San Francisco. You too. Thank you for having me, Vesley. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at SmashingMag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. 